0: Warning, the following podcast contains mature content such as naughty language and sexual themes. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Dear listeners, it was just a few short months ago that my dear friend Em and I decided on a whim to not only read through the Twilight series together, but to sit down and record our discussions on the books. Because what could fit more into this horrid year than a couple of idiots overanalyzing a 16-year-old young adult novel? Ladies, gentlemen, and everything in between, it's 2020, and we're reading Twilight. My name is Sarah. And we watched
0: Twilight. I am (laughs) meant.
1: That's the second time we had to do that intro, because the first time you interrupted me. And the second time, you still didn't just say and "I'm M," <laughs> <laughs> but we're not doing name, it again.
0: My name is M.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna keep going. I
0: like transformers and reading <laughs> romantic books between lady characters.
1: I'm happy for you. Now, the last time that we lost all of our audio and had to re-record an episode, we didn't say anything. But fuck it. We (laughs) We lost some audio and so now we're having to record this episode again. But it's okay because now it's like we rehearsed.
0: Let's specify. Last time we lost audio, I was recording on my iPad. After that, (laughs) I began recording on my iPad and my desktop simultaneously, and then last time my iPad just stopped recording and Audacity lost all my audio when I attempted to export the file to a .wave.
1: So not only did you actually take extra steps to ensure that you wouldn't lose your audio, but it just shat on both forms of audio recording that you were doing last week.
0: Mm, yep, yep. <laughs> I spent a good two hours trying to find ways to recover the files and the audio <laughs> that was lost, and it didn't work. It was great.
1: Long story short, we're back again. Um, luckily, this is a more relaxed fit episode. We are doing the season one roundup where we talk about the whole Twilight book uh, and the movie, which we watched, uh, and it took so long.
0: I already told them that we watched the movie, Sarah.
1: I know you did. I heard. I was there. <laughs> um, it took so long for us to not only figure out a way to watch the movie, but to actually... Get through the whole movie. Did it take us three or four hours to watch that whole... Four four hours just to watch the whole movie. (laughs) It is an hour and 52 minutes long. It took us four hours to watch the whole thing.
0: Sometimes you just have to stop and absorb what it is that you're seeing.
1: A.K.A. we had to pause to howl at the things that were happening in that movie.
0: Pattinson's facial expressions (laughs) are just the gift that keep on giving.
1: And I really... He could
0: do an entire silent movie with just his face.
1: (laughs) And I really feel for him because he made those faces exactly the way that I imagined Edward making those faces in the book. Like, she describes him as having, like, this... Twisted up look of disgust on his face in the book And then she walks into biology in the movie And her hair blows in the fan And he looks like he just smelled A skunk's shit
0: Uh, My, my descriptor was that it looked like Ugh. He had just Gone down on a woman And found out that she hadn't showered for a week But skunk shit That works too
1: Yeah, because a skunk's shit is somehow less disgusting than what you just described.
0: Well, I don't think their shit is covered in the stuff that they excrete from their glands when you scare them.
1: Ugh. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know (laughs) where that sentence was going. But you, as soon as you said the word dis-
0: excrete Excrete. was it
1: excrete (laughs) excrete i i wanted to vomit um so
0: (laughs) it just you knew it wouldn't be a good place that it went to at that point
1: so we're gonna go back and, and give a little roundup of of our thoughts on the book as a whole the things that we would change about it our favorite parts our least favorite parts And there's a lot of those. There's a lot of those. Um, and then we're gonna discuss the movie, what the movie did better, what it did worse. Um, and then next time we are going to be moving on to New Moon, and I'm so excited because that book is the book of Jacob and he deserves the world. So
0: When do we get Alice's book?
1: Never. Maybe that's what Midnight Sun will be. It's just Edward hanging out with Alice.
0: Oh, bruh. Oh, I get Alice time all the time in that book.
1: You probably will. It's gonna be.
0: It's gonna be so great. I'll actually like the book.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think she's the one that Edward is the closest with. It's like her and Emmett are the ones that he's like. You know.
0: Yeah, well, Alice is always chilling with him, be supporting him and shit. Yeah, and he doesn't, he doesn't deserve it.
1: No, he doesn't. She shouldn't be supporting him because he's ruining the life of a perfectly good future University of Hawaii student. So, um, let's let's actually dive into our recap. So, part one, well, episode one and two uh, were the parts in which we discussed chapters one through five. Uh, in which Bella moves to Forks to be with her father because her mother wants to travel around with her much younger new husband, Steve. And when she arrives in Forks, uh, she makes a slurry of new friends, um, starts to settle into life there, and then she becomes acquainted with Edward Cullen, who is the mysterious youngest child in a family of Five foster kids who are more or less fucking each other but <laughs> at all times. Um, at all times! <laughs> at all times! Listen, when you've been alive long enough, things just stop being entertaining. But I cannot imagine vampire sex ever not being good.
0: I am just imagining them trying to hide now by fucking in the lunchroom instead of staring at different walls around the (laughs) lunchroom.
1: So after uh, Bella becomes acquainted, well, after Bella kind of meets Edward, he disappears for a week, comes back. He's a little bit more friendly to her, but he's still really standoffish and weird. Uh, Bella almost dies via van murder. And Edward saves her in a rather confusing series of events. Uh, she
0: almost gets vehicular manslaughtered.
1: You're right. I'm sorry. I forgot that that was our new verb. Um, then he, Edward saves her, refuses to explain why, gaslights her and is mean to her. Uh, and then, you know, he just starts saying a bunch of weird, vague shit that doesn't make any sense and is really frustrating then Bella passes out in biology because she smells blood. Edward insists that people can't smell blood, even th- even though you can definitely smell blood, and that is.
0: Reading that sentence, I just remember getting confused and angry. Like <laughs> I've smelled can't blood smell before. Blood. I know I can smell blood. What the fuck are you talking about?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's the first five chapters. Oh, yeah, Edward drags Bella into his car and drives her home, revealing that he somehow knows where she lives, even though she's never told him.
0: Yeah, that was weird.
1: This whole book is weird.
0: Remember that time he found her keys without her telling him where they were?
1: Oh, you mean implying that he, like,
0: Watched her strip,
1: <laughs> watched, and
0: knew where knew where the item of clothing was that had her keys in it.
1: Absolute insanity. So what what are your th- what are your closing thoughts on those first five chapters? Because we talked about them pointless. a lot. They were so pointless. There really they nothing just... happened. It was absolutely drawling. It was a hundred and ten pages of nothing and technically things did happen but like I
0: I respect the attempt to build an entire cast of characters and a world to explore Uh, that attempt is utterly pointless when you then drop that cast of characters and they don't matter at all to the overall narrative (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's I I, we talked about this previously, but it's so sad thinking about the life that Bella could have had in Forks that she doesn't get to have because Edward just came in and fucked everything up. Because like she wasn't the happiest character around, but like she had some good friends that she willingly spent time with like all the time. Like she went she like drove out of town with them. And stuff. Like, it's not like she was just sitting at home by herself all the time, like, hating the people that she went to school with. She was nice Let's and them. Let's be real.
0: I was a moody, depressed teen. You were a moody, depressed teen. What? Basically begrudgingly associating with the people that we like was, like, our special skill in that time of our life.
1: Yeah. It's, when I think, when I think back on our teenage years... Like, we quote unquote hung out all the time, but did we actually hang out or did we just see each other all the time at theater?
0: I realized (laughs) at some point in the past year when I thought about it that there were only like two people throughout high school that I really hung out with outside of school. Yeah. And the rest of the time, it was just me doing activities with people that I liked, where we both participated (laughs) in the same activity. Yeah,
1: like, we we saw each other constantly. I drove you home all the time. But, like, it wasn't like we were going out and doing things. We just did. We had (laughs) obligations that we both had to attend to in the same place.
0: (laughs) It wasn't until after my first year of college that we were actually, like, hanging out doing things that weren't activities.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. that's That was the summer of, of dating. That was yes. Not us.
0: We did not date.
1: No. Oh, God. No. <laughs> no, that was the summer I started dating my husband. And you uh, were with your partner. And we were just together all the time. And my mom was like, are you, like, going on dates and stuff? And we were like, I mean, we're sitting around a dining room table playing magic. Does that count? The point is, Bella is so much more social than we were when we were in high school, meaning that she could have had a really decent time in Forks had Edward not come in and just fucked the whole thing up. Can you hear my cat in the other room meowing incessantly?
0: Lucy, the kitty, is hornier (laughs) than Bella right now.
1: Lucy is so horny right now. she needs to get fixed, but we uh, just haven't gotten around to it. So she's uh trying to attract a mate right now, and i I don't know how to break it to her that it's just not gonna work. <clears throat> but so the first five chapters were a mess, so much a mess that we literally can't continue talking about them for longer than three seconds without no, talking about s- something else.
0: We spent four hours on discussing just those chapters and it if you gave me the time i could probably spend another four hours just dissecting all the things that i hated about them
1: well it was it was so um all over the place that it's hard because you it's like you take these scenes that could have lasted like an entire chapter or whatever the case may be And they are fitted into, like, one page. And now you're like, okay, so we have to have a discussion about this scene. We have to talk about this. Like, these... We talked so much about the two paragraphs Bella spent describing her mother that I feel insane just, like, thinking about the time that we spent on just those two paragraphs.
0: Her mother. Do you mean Cuntface McGee?
1: God. Renee... (laughs) Renee, whatever her last I'm sorry. name is,
0: I don't recognize that name. Renee is the name of her mother in the movie, I believe. Yeah, yeah. In the book, it's it's definitely Cuntface McGee.
1: No, I think, yeah, I think you're right. So, <laughs> uh, chapters six through ten, um, sort of get the 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 story going a little bit more, but like still not really that much um she tried she definitely didn't not try uh chapter six i believe is when they go to the beach okay yeah um so a
0: beach
1: (laughs) chapter six is where it starts off with um bella going to school, and everybody's, like, really mean to her because she sat with Edward at lunch. And we talked so much about the cattiness of these girls in this school that is, first of all, stupid, but second of all, really not realistic to how girls would most likely be in this situation. Especially not, like, Jessica and – not that Angela ever really participated, but I don't think Jessica would – Like, knowing her character throughout the whole book, I don't think that she would be as, like, snotty as she was in this one little section. Because it totally didn't make sense as to why Bella sitting with the hot boy, like, made them all so mad.
0: Stephanie Meyer writes scenarios and does not care if the characters work in those scenarios. (laughs) That's just how she writes.
1: Um, but... After that is uh, the beach scene, where we got some incredibly beautiful imagery. Uh, it was some of the best descriptive imagery in the entire book. Um, I would say the meadow scene has some as well. But the buildup of this scene, and like the two it was like two pages of her just like describing the beach, the beach scene in the movie is like two minutes long.
0: Oh, yeah, they did not give a fuck.
1: Yeah, there was no tide pools. There were no racing stripes on any eels. It was pretty much nothing. But the beach scene in the book gave us Jacob. Um, Weird
0: director lady didn't think the beach mattered.
1: (laughs) She clearly did not. She wanted some hot, mean vampires to make out, but she did not want to see this beach scene. So... The beach scene gives us uh, the part where Jacob tells Bella the story of the cold ones, and Bella, for some goddamn reason, still cannot consolidate the fact that Edward is definitely a vampire in her head.
0: Even though Jacob says they're vampires, yeah. Even
1: though Jacob says they're supposedly vampires, uh, and I definitely like the movie movie Jacob Taylor Lautner. I think he did a very good job of portraying Jacob, at least in the first movie. We haven't watched New Moon yet. We only watched the first one. Um, Definitely believed that he was just kind of like telling Bella a story that he had heard rather than like trying to spook her like she was from a different world. As we discussed in um, episode three, we got really into the way that Stephanie Meyer characterizes the Native Americans as being like foreigners.
0: As you see pale face. (laughs) my people call them woofins.
1: <laughs> Um. so Bella then goes home listens to some loud music um, does some research on the internet for some reason <laughs> she gets millions of pop-up ads and that's still the funniest thing in the whole stupid book for me is that scene where she's want... using the internet
0: I want us to go back to that scene and record an entire episode just riffing off of the things that happened in that scene.
1: So bad. Um, But she goes out into the woods, decides that if Edward is a vampire, it doesn't matter to her. Um, Then next is the Port Angeles scene where she goes and buys dresses with Jessica. Well, she doesn't buy a dress, but Jessica and Angela buy dresses and uh, Bella gets lost, almost gets attacked by some dudes before Edward like
0: we see titties.
1: <laughs> what?
0: We see titties.
1: Are you t- are you talking about the movie? Yes. Where Anna Kendrick is, she puts on her dress and it's like makes my boobs look great and everybody in the audience is like yes it does yes
0: yes they do
1: (laughs) that dress does make your boobs look great um edward rescues her uh takes her to uh the restaurant where jessica and angela have already eaten (laughs) and just like leave without her in the movie it's so goddamn funny because she shows up and (laughs) And Jessica walks out, and she's like, "Oh my god, we were like waiting for you, but like I was like starving."
0: (laughs) And remember, they have cell phones in the movie. Oh yeah, they do. They have cell phones
1: in the movie. (laughs) Um, but then (laughs) Bella finally confronts Edward about being a vampire, um, and then he. They decide that they're not going to drive to Seattle as they had previously planned. They're just going to spend the day together doing whatever. And then Bella asks Edward if she can watch him hunt animals.
0: Hey, can I watch you chew your food?
1: (laughs) That part still, like, blows me away. Because, like, Edward is always, like, really pompous and annoying. But then Bella is like... Can I watch you hunt? And he's like, absolutely not. And for the first time ever, I was like, you know what, Edward? You're right.
0: Fucking weird.
1: It is. What is
0: wrong with this woman? I
1: don't know. She's really horny. She's literally like wants to watch him rip animals apart because it's like hot. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Look, you don't understand how repressed I am.
1: Um, so chapters 11. I can't
0: even drink NyQuil. <laughs> she...
1: <laughs> she can't even drink cold medicine because of how much it fucks her up. Um, so chapters 11 through 15 pick up, um, even more so, but we still like, it's so funny to think about us, like, talking about how, like, okay, the story's finally picking up, but the story does not actually pick up until chapter 17, which is so no. frustrating.
0: <laughs> like, okay, in the typical uh exposition, rising action, climax, all like, like yeah. in that, like, diagram, chapters 10 through 15 are the start of that diagram.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's it's real bad. Like, the the actual, like, meat of the story of, like, Bella being hunted doesn't begin until, like, chapter 17. And that's, like, the actual action of the story. And it feels like we, it feels like there should have been more of the book dedicated to that. But, like, I don't want any more pages. Does that make sense? <laughs> like.
0: Absolutely, it does. <laughs> make
1: the, make the book. And I will say 300 pages is a fine length for a YA novel. So if you break it down to 300 pages, I want at least 50% of the story to be the last, like, seven chapters of the book.
0: Let's be real here. If the entire book was, like, 75% of the book was just that last seven chapters spread out and made more interesting it would be a much better book
1: yeah but you know because
0: it's like quarter of the way through the book you get you know you get to your 50 100 page mark and here's your conflict introduced rogue vampire suntan bella there you go
1: yeah <laughs> um but these are the chapters in which we get the inciting incident um in which we find out that Uh, Edward has a problem with, I almost said the blacks again, just like I did the first time that we recorded this episode. And and I
0: still, like, the exact same way, when you clarified (laughs) and said I almost said the blacks again, I was like, why does Edward have an issue with black people?
1: (laughs) Now, I'm not going to say that Edward doesn't have an issue with black people because I don't know, but... His issue. But we can
0: <laughs> speculate.
1: But we can say that he definitely has an issue with Jacob and Billy Black, the Native American characters, uh, who they show up at um, the Swan household to eat food and watch sport. Mm, sport. <laughs> Manly. These are also the chapters in which... Fish fry. In which Edward interrogates Bella, and we have the opportunity to learn more about Bella, but we just don't.
0: Yeah, thanks. Thanks, uh, Steph Meyer. I uh, I really wanted my character to be flat and two-dimensional.
1: Yeah, I really... Appreciate it. really love learning nothing <laughs> about her and only knowing that she likes Claire de Lune and that one unnamed punk band that you... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm so, I just don't I don't know what the kids listen to these days.
1: How fucking wild would it have been if she had like turned it on and been like, "You know, this this kind of rocks." What is this?" and she looks over and it's just a cassette that just says My Chemical Romance on it. <laughs> and she had previously been like, "Oh, this like heavy metal band." like a lot of people reading it would have been like oh whatever but like every emo in the world would have been like are you joking
0: <laughs> turns it on well imagine <laughs> as I'm pacing the fuse.
1: Brendan Urie does not deserve that also that song came out in 2006
0: early 2000s is early 2000s in my brain <laughs>
1: um so i was 11 <laughs> i was 10 so um that this is also where we get the meadow scene which is actually i felt i liked it it was good it gave us some char- i didn't. you didn't you're just being con- i would
0: have if they were better characters
1: <laughs> So um, this is also where we like victim blamed Bella and we were <laughs> Edward has been this whole time like I'm dangerous you need to be careful I am so dangerous and then she's like I didn't even tell anyone where we're going. And so he's like are you kidding me and we were I think I said if he kills her it's her fault.
0: <laughs> Look victim blaming is an issue. It is. But there, it comes a time where it is your fault and your responsibility for not taking your own safety into account.
1: It's like- If you
0: choose to drive with your feet <laughs> and not wear a seatbelt and then go flying through the windshield when you hit the barrier, that's your fault. <laughs>
1: I was so confused for a second because you said drive with your feet and I was like, yeah, that's how we all drive.
0: (laughs) Hold on. Are you telling me that you don't keep one hand on the pedals and one hand on the wheel? Have
1: I been
0: driving wrong this whole
1: time? What everyone doesn't know is that you have one arm that is disturbingly long. (laughs) I can't
0: help it. It's the arm. It comes from my my twin that I absorbed in the womb.
1: Yeah, so you just have an arm that's twice the length of a normal arm. And you use that to press the gas pedal. It's got
0: six joints. I have three elbows. It's great.
1: I'm gonna vomit. That's disgusting.
0: (laughs) It's like an insect appendage. Like a fucking praying mantis.
1: Oh my god. So... The meadow scene happens. It's basically just a lot of exposition where Edward kind of exhibits exactly why he, well, he shows that he sparkles. Which I, I, I think Stephanie Meyer was going for more of like a diamond shimmering in the sunlight, which is an understandable thing and is actually not that stupid if it was in a better book
0: it's not stupid if you don't try to make it scary yeah
1: he acts like it's terrifying it's a little odd i'm not gonna lie i wouldn't be like oh my god it's beautiful like bella is i would kind of be like are you did you just like did you just come back from <laughs> did, pride did, or what's going on
0: i was like did you just did you just walk up into the makeup department in a theater high school theater i don't, I don't
1: understand. Um, but I do not remember if in the book he says this is the skin of a killer. Does he say it in the book, or is that just a movie thing?
0: Oh, God, I don't remember.
1: Okay. Well, this is the skin of a killer, Bella.
0: This is the skin of a killer.
1: Um, so then Edward takes her home, and he tells her how old he is, and kind of explains, like, what the fuck is going on with his quote-unquote family. None of them are actually related. Um, And he reveals that he had stalked her to know where she was, to know where she lived and stuff like that.
0: You know, as you do if you're a reasonable, normal person. And she's
1: totally unbothered by all of it. The only thing that bothers her is like when he's like, oh, yeah, I watched you while you slept. She's like, oh, no, did I talk in my sleep? And she's, like, embarrassed, which is awful. Uh, and then Chapter 15 is where she actually goes to meet the family. And Alice is so beautiful and lovely. Wonderful. She comes down. She gives her a little kiss on the cheek. Absolutely, like, shows no restraint whatsoever, unlike Edward, who's like, I'm going to eat you if you even come anywhere near me with that pussy.
0: Look. I'm not saying that I want a lot of people to kiss me on the cheek, but what I am saying is that I've had a few times where friends have kissed me on the cheek, and in those moments I was like, well, that was nice.
1: Oh my god. Alice
0: is definitely a friend that I would want kissing me on the cheek.
1: Yeah, friend. Uh Friend. Friend. So chapters 16 through 20 are where the story literally actually starts. Uh, So they go play – Edward and Charlie meet. It's really awkward and stupid. Um, They go and play baseball. The rogue vampires show up and are like, oh, my God, you brought a snack. And it's revealed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is that a snack,
1: Alice? (laughs) Alice just says, "Uh uh-uh, baby, I'm a whole meal. Anyway, so (laughs) – uh so they god i got so off track they take um bella away bella. from the the rogue vampires <laughs> she comes up with her stupid plan to break charlie's heart and then escape to phoenix which for some reason works at first they i
0: appreciate the fact that in the movie yeah! we don't see her inner thoughts it's Ed pushing her to handle it that way and to do what needs to be done. And she's very clearly upset about it and not at all happy with the fact that it was partially her idea.
1: Yeah. Because she, when she, sorry, in the movie, when she gets into the truck and she's like, I said the same thing to him that I said that my mom said when she left him. It was like, you could tell she wasn't going to say it when she was in the house it was just she realized the only way that he was gonna let her go was if she said it which i get i still think the plan could have been done a million different ways but whatever
0: hey snitches get stitches uh
1: then they take bella to phoenix and alice has a vision of a dance studio and that is the end of chapter 20
0: I have a vision of a dance studio as well.
1: But, like, what kind of dance studio?
0: Sexy dance studio.
1: God, you're such a freak. Okay, um... <laughs> this... Okay, I can't wait until this podcast. I have dropped out because you're so goddamn weird, and it's just you talking to yourself. <laughs> <sighs>
0: To be fair, I didn't expect you to ask me something, and I expected you to think I was going to say something weird. And so when you actually propositioned me for an answer, I was like, oh, oh, shit. Now I have to what say What do I something.
1: say? <laughs> uh, so the next chapter is, <laughs> is uh, when they lose the tracker, and Alice and, sorry, not Alice. Alice, yeah, Alice has a vision, of James at Renee's house. Sorry, cunt face McGee's house. And so they have to alter the plan. Um, the whole rest of the, the family is going to get on a plane, and then Edward is just going to grab Bella and they're going to go, which, you know.
0: Could have done from the start. Should have
1: done that from the start. But okay. Um.
0: But if they don't know that we know, that they know that I know that I'm going to Phoenix because that's where I know I used to live and they don't know that, but they know that I... Wait, what?
1: <laughs> then we have Alice explaining how her visions work um, and then Bella gets a call from James and she escapes from the vampires because she thinks that James has her mom. James went, wound up rickrolling her. With a video of never gonna give you her mom never gonna just you shouting for her in um, like an old home Oh video. my god.
0: Now I'm just imagining that spliced over Rick Astley is never going to give you up. So you just hear faintly in the background. Never going
1: to give you up. Like one Blah! of those like recordings that you would hear like three years ago or something on tumblr that was like uh it was always like uh ain't no mountain high enough or something like that but like from another room and so it like sounded like when you would like sneak into the back room at a party to like have a moment to yourself that's what you're imagining
0: you know where they have like the superimposed like figure of a person like hazy on a background and like there's a song playing and they're saying stuff on top of it like that. That's just her mom, like superimposed on top of this Rick Astley video.
1: (laughs) I'm just imagining her superimposed much like the gif of John Travolta from Pulp Fiction where he's like.
0: (laughs) Just shrugs.
1: just like so confused. But it's Bella's mom. (laughs) Um, Anyway, enough about that. Uh, Bella almost dies in a pool of her own blood. Edward defies the laws of venom to suck the vampire (laughs) venom out of her. Uh, She wakes up in a hospital, and uh, Edward is like, I'm going to leave. And she's like, no, you're fucking not. And they stay together. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch, what you're saying?
0: (laughs) who i wear the pants in this relationship motherfucker
1: the epilogue i'm i'm so half-assing this uh summary the epilogue is uh tyler thinks that bella's going to prom with him
0: (laughs) (laughs) tyler you're such a fucking idiot real person this isn't no he does who does this i
1: truly don't understand how because like she, he asked her to the girls choice dance and then she was like he was like oh yeah we always have prom and then she didn't say anything then she starts openly dating edward and then he still thinks that she's gonna take him to prom
0: me to believe in this school full of people that are terrified and awed by the Cullens that he would just be like openly dating a Cullen? Yeah, I'm still gonna shoot my shot.
1: <laughs> and that's the whole epilogue. It, is it? <laughs> no, they go to prom and Bella's like turned me into a vampire right now and he's like no. And that's and, the epilogue. And? and what jacob oh jacob jacob shows up and he's like oh my dad (laughs) wants you to break up with your boyfriend and he said uh his plural not mine will be watching you and that's the end of the book mostly tyler though (laughs)
0: literally the only good part about the epilogue tyler (laughs) tyler What the fuck, Tyler?
1: So that's Twilight by Stephanie Meyer, as told to you by us.
0: A very tired Sarah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I am actually... With
0: me making dumb jokes (laughs) in the background.
1: I actually, like, I think I have, like, a cold or something because I'm, like, congested and stuff. And I'm literally recording, like, on my couch right now. Like I have the whole setup. I've got both laptops. The mic is attached to a table next to the couch. I don't know what day it is. It's Friday. Um But so the book, um, I we talk we've talked about the book a little bit. Um
0: Wait. Is that what we did for the past six episodes?
1: <laughs> yeah, we actually discussed uh Twilight written by Stephanie Meyer in two thousand and four.
0: Um <laughs> Year of our Lord, 2004. The Year of our Lord. we forgot the Year of our the Lord. The Year of our
1: Lord, 2004. Bush was running for re-election. Ushers, yeah, was running at 12 weeks at number one. And whatever else I said in that episode <laughs> where I was trying to hit you with a history lesson. But I want to talk. Unless you have some, like, deep impressions that you want to give on the book. I want to talk about the movie because we watched it and it is not good but if we're rating things on how good they are based on how much joy they bring you that's the best thing that's happened so far this year (laughs) is us watching the twilight movie that came out in the other year of our lord 2008
0: a lot of things spark joy for me.
1: Is is this one of them?
0: I I don't know. <laughs> don't put that pressure on me to answer that question, Sarah. <laughs> I don't want to think about it it's, too hard. It's,
1: I, my coworker asked me the other day, because I was telling her, I was like, yeah, we're recording the Roundup episode for, for season one of our Twilight series that we're doing. And she was like, she looked at me for a second. She goes, so do you like Twilight. And I was dumbfounded. I did not know how to answer that question.
0: Define, like, it's, it's a, I have a complicated relationship with Twilight, okay? Yeah, I have. I don't think it's good.
1: (laughs) No, it's not that I think it's good, but it's, it's, it's definitely enriched my life at least a little bit.
0: It's like it stepped outside of the bounds of good and bad to become its own cultural icon of entertainment.
1: Twilight has had a bigger cultural impact, I'm going to say it, than James Cameron's Avatar.
0: To be fair, I don't give a shit about Avatar, and I'm making a podcast about Twilight.
1: That's the thing, though. (laughs) No one gives a shit about Avatar. I only know that the main character's name is Jim Scully, and I'm only a little bit sure that that's what his name is because it is so normal. That, like, how could you forget that name?
0: Every time I see stuff about Avatar, I try and figure out why people care.
1: It was visually very stunning. And I think it's a
0: media... I think it's a media conspiracy.
1: His name is Jake Sully. It's not Jim Scully. So to make the point even clearer, James Cameron's Avatar has had such a small cultural impact on our world that I, when Avatar... I'm not saying that Avatar is a bad movie. It's just so unimportant on a grand scale. To the point that when Endgame dethroned it, I was like, you know what? Good. I don't think that Endgame is perfect by any means. I have a lot of issues with Endgame. But Avengers as a whole has shaped our society so much that it, like, deserved it. You know what I mean? And that's how I feel about Twilight. Oh,
0: God. No. (laughs) No, don't put Twilight on that pedestal. (laughs) Um, iron man edward is not
1: (laughs) absolutely not i if edward died in the end of breaking dawn part two i you would not catch me with loud sucking sobs in the middle of a dark theater at 3 a.m the way i cried when tony stark died at the end of endgame someone literally hit our discord chat group chat of our like Avengers group of the like 10 people we were going to see it with, uh, with hey Sarah, is that you with those loud sucking sobs? And the answer I thought was yes. When you
0: said somebody literally hit our Discord chat, that you were talking about our Discord chat for this podcast, and then I was about to ask you when the fuck we got a Discord chat and who the fuck was in our Discord I mean, don't chat. Have a
1: Discord. <laughs> I would love to have a Discord eventually, but we have to have, um, <clears throat>
0: listeners, listeners. Like and audience in order a for community? that to
1: happen um but anyway so to
0: people outside of sweden to
1: actually get into the movie we had a few things that we thought that the movie did better than the book um and then there were also things that the movie did worse but it's not the movie's fault um i think our general consensus on the film was that there was no way it was ever going to be good just
0: it had the impossible task of depicting a bad book yeah
1: So the book was so bad that, like, creating a movie that portrayed it well would have required rewriting the whole thing. But so much of Twilight is so iconic and important to the fans of the book that they couldn't do that. And I've read some books and watched some movies that – each interpretation was totally different. Um, the best example I have is my favorite book of all time is Warm Bodies by Isaac Marion. Incredible mm. story. Um, it's a zombie. Good book. Yeah. Oh, super good. Zombie apocalypse story. Uh, it's like long story short, uh, love brings the dead back to life. Not back to life, but stops them from being zombies, helps them become Spoilers. human again. That's the whole plot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but they, the movie is like a romantic comedy versus the book being more, um, poetic and existential and, uh, they're both very good. I
0: was about to say, and you know what? It's okay because the movie was also good. Yeah,
1: they were both very good. (laughs) The problem here is Twilight was bad, so you couldn't just, like, what they did with Warm Bodies and even Isaac, I don't know how he feels about it now, but I remember, uh, closer to the time when the second Warm Bodies book was coming out, he said that he didn't dislike the the direction they took Warm Bodies, the movie, in. It's just, it was totally different. And so he liked it separately than what the book that he had written. But with Twilight, you couldn't do that. Because you couldn't, it's not like they had really great source material like they did with Warm Bodies, and that they could just turn into a movie that was different but good. This would have had to been different but better in every single way. The Stephanie Meyer, and I, I had this thought the other day. She basically wrote a book that would have served much better as a television series because it has so many separate events in it versus a movie where you have to portray these 500 pages of separate disjointed events all in a cohesive way that makes the story make sense and that led to them cutting things out rushing the narrative so much to the point that it even it made even less sense than the book did we talked in one of our episodes about how we felt like they were saying i love you way too fast like it didn't make any sense because there was we didn't know that there was much for them to love about each other. We do know that they had those like long conversations where Edward was basically interrogating Bella about her life and stuff. But it just what's
0: the last four digits of your social security? Uh,
1: uh, 7912. Um and that's not the actual. <laughs> Please tell me
0: that wasn't no. okay. <laughs>
1: no, uh but we still didn't get enough Actual like chemistry and like bonding between them before they were like, I love you. Now in the movie, there's even less of that. They have two conversations before they go into the it's woods. Insane. It's really insane because, like, it really takes this idea that so many people have built up in their heads about Twilight of this just like animal attraction that they have to each other and it breaks it down to its bones and makes it nothing but that.
0: And that would honestly be fine if it wasn't supposed to be romantic.
1: But it is supposed to be romantic. Yeah,
0: that's the pro- it's like I can re- I could respect it if it was just about the lust and had nothing to do with romance and they didn't tell each other they loved each other. I could be like I, they want some fuck. I get that. I, but like, no, I, that's not what it is. This now
1: makes me want a Twilight that involves them heavily lusting for each other, but then falling in love from that animal attraction. You know what I mean? Like actually getting to it's see It's almost
0: it. like that's how a lot of human relationships actually work, though. Yeah. You, you see somebody that you find physically appealing a lot of the times and then you get to know them more and and you're raising your eyebrows (laughs) a lot um
1: yeah i mean if it had been a story of like oh she wants some fuck and oh he wants some blood and it's they're actually combating those two parts of them of well i don't know why she should be combating the fact that she wants some fuck because i've seen robert pattinson I'd want some fuck, too. Uh, but, you know, if they're both kind of, like, fighting against the nature of themselves. Look,
0: she won't even take NyQuil. You think she's gonna fucking let herself get dicked?
1: It seemed like she was about to in the movie when they got into bed with each other and were making out when she was in her underwear.
0: Fun IMDb trivia fact. Uh, that scene and the meadow scene were both done during auditions in <laughs> Catherine Hardwick's bed, in her personal <laughs> bed, in her home, when Robert and Kristen were flown in.
1: <laughs> to audition for these roles.
0: One of them had already been cast by that point. Yeah. So it was the other one that was auditioning. I think it was Robert. No. No, it was I think Robert was the one auditioning. Yeah,
1: Robert was the one auditioning. Bella uh Kristen was already cast. Yeah. That you told me that fact. Just
0: like, hey, uh, teenagers. Yeah. Please get in my bed. Uh I am going to be your boss. Now please make out in my Kristen bed. was there's nothing actually
1: seventeen years old.
0: I know. I know. Very, very uncomfortable to think about.
1: Anyway, so (laughs) the book actually did a couple of things better. Um, It definitely gave, sorry, not the book. The movie did some things better. It gave Bella more of a personality. Um, You know, she seemed a little- Bella
0: is almost like a badass bitch in the movie. She is. Almost. Almost.
1: Like she is definitely more assertive. Uh, she like tells Angela, literally tells her to be like a strong and independent woman, like s- verbatim. She could have said it better, could have been more poetic, but like you know, she literally. It tells was her
0: definitely, to do that. definitely a tongue-in-cheek joke towards the, the phrase coming about at that time of you're a strong independent woman, yeah, and you don't need no man except you know, go get you man. go get your, your man, man yourself, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and they introduce. Jacob, within the first, like, five minutes of the movie, he, he like, comes with his dad to deliver the truck to Bella. And so she has, like, this kinship with him before they go to the beach. And
0: and she doesn't use uh, emotional manipulation via seduction attempts to get information out of him. Yeah, like,
1: they have a believable friendship in the movie. Yeah. Where she's just like, hey, so what was that like? Because Jacob is sitting there when, not sitting there, standing there when the guy makes a comment. Oh, my God. That poor, stupid oh, guy.
0: Oh, my God. So, <laughs> I. The Cullens don't come to look.
1: I, I don't know if he's in the next movie. If that like specific actor is in the next movie, he does not look familiar to me. He could be in the next one. But he, like, this guy has one line in the whole movie, and he just says, the Cullens don't come here. And it's, like, really bad.
0: I've seen fifth grade plays with more believable line recitation than his.
1: How many takes of that scene did they have? And they were like, we just gotta move on. Like, we can't. This guy is just not gonna give us anything. Come on,
0: just just say it quick. Cullens don't come to the page. What? <laughs> no, no. Okay, you can't say it that quick. The Cullens don't come here. <laughs> nope, no. Nope. See, you did that weird whisper thing again. What are you doing, bro?
1: And then the one that they got was him just stony as fuck, being like, the Cullens don't come here. <laughs> <laughs> So that was bad, but then Bella and Edward walk, not Edward, God, Bella and Jacob walk away from that situation, and she's like, what the fuck was that about?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Why did that guy seem like he just did shrooms and weed before you got here? I like to
1: imagine that she wasn't even asking about the Cullens. She was just like, is he okay?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys give him some, like, Vicodin or something like
1: so, um, I, I That's liked, advantage? I liked Jacob. I, I will stand by his portrayal in the, f- in the first film always. Now we haven't watched, again, we haven't watched new moon. I wanted to watch it immediately after we finished watching twilight. Cause I was like, imagine how much less time we could dedicate to this. If we just watched the movies, but we cannot, and we will not.
0: There's just going to be more book series after this, Sarah.
1: <laughs> I know. I I keep looking over at my shelf, like, oh, what are we going to do next? I, there's nothing else that's as bad and cringeworthy that I have on my shelf. Let's just go and like read like a really critically acclaimed series after this, and just talk about how great they are. <laughs> every episode.
0: To be fair, even good books have points we can make fun. That's
1: of. That's true. It would just be every episode would just be like, this is a really good chapter. Okay, bye. <laughs> that was, that's gonna be our Percy Jackson series. James
0: Patterson, James Patterson novels. This was a really good one page. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we were talking about the possibility of doing a James Patterson series after we finish the whole Twilight series, and I showed M how many chapters were in the first book in this series. There are, like, 134 chapters or something like that. And the final chapter is, like, a page and a half long. So, like, we...
0: James Patterson be writing chapters like Stephanie Meyer be writing prologues.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie Meyer wishes she could write chapters this concise.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: Oh, but, so... The my recommendation would be the mo- watch the movie, watch the deleted scenes with Catherine Hardwick.
0: Oh, my God. Watch the deleted scenes <laughs> and the extended scenes. But you, you
1: can't watch them Oof. like cut together. You have to watch them with Catherine Hardwick's like interludes between each scene she starts every single one leaning into the camera and talking like she's telling you like a dirty little secret it is horrifying
0: hello my little vamp crew (laughs) i am here today on my bed lounging back ready to tell you about All of the things you need to know about the making of this movie. Stop.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's so there's one scene in the deleted scenes that is fucking horrendous. And that is the scene that she shows where they show the rogue vampires. They're trying to lead and I'll get into the rogue vampires in a second, but they're trying to lead the police off their trail. And Victoria, like, shows back up with the boys after having, like, run through the woods. The boys. And uh, she's like, oh, I led them east. They'll be, like, halfway to Winnipeg by morning. And then she's like, I love it when men chase me. Then she pushes James up against a tree and starts making out with and dry humping him while Laurent watches them. (laughs) Like, what the fuck are you doing?
0: And and no no that is not Sarah asking that question. That is literally the look on Laurent's face. It zooms in on his like. It's not like you just see him in the background watching. It zooms in in an over the shoulder shot on his face to just show him being really really confused by where he is in life, or on death, or whatever you want to call it. Super.
1: Cringy and weird. That is the worst scene of the deleted scenes. The other scenes, I are did
0: fine. not need to see James getting his chest lit.
1: No, the other scenes are literally fine. I mean, there's a couple that like go out of Bella's perspective a little bit, so I would probably leave that out. But it's not a huge deal. Quite a
0: quite a few of them should have been left in. Yeah, and would have made the movie. Better
1: The scene... Better. Well, they cut out a couple of scenes that... The the thing is, there's about 15 minutes of extra scenes. Well, if you cut out Catherine Hardwick's discussion...
0: There's only two minutes after you cut out
1: Catherine Hardwick. um, But no, yeah, there's maybe like 10 to 13 minutes of extra scenes. And the movie was an hour and 52 minutes long. So at that point, just... I know you want to keep it under two hours, but, like, there was some important stuff in there. You got the scene where Charlie is defending the Cullens against everybody else thinking that they're weird. Um, You have an actual scene where Bella... (laughs) With
0: the ketchup bottle. with
1: the ketchup bottle. Uh, You have the actual scene, an actual scene between Bella and Edward where they're being, like, cutesy or whatever, Uh, which was... Nice, And I don't know why they cut it out. And then I don't remember what a lot of the other ones were, but it's just like, there was a lot of stuff that I was like, I don't understand why this was cut out. It doesn't really make any sense.
0: Sometimes you just have to, you know, you you just got to do the little snip snip. You know, you just can't. Thank you. you Oh my God. Catherine Hardwick?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, are you in studio? Right now? She directed New Moon as well.
0: Yeah, they, uh, They let her back.
1: I I think she did Twilight and New Moon, and I don't think she did Eclipse and Breaking Dawn. I don't know who directed those films.
0: I feel like after she had a 17-year-old audition in her bed that maybe she
1: Yeah. How wild is it gonna be when we open up like Breaking Dawn part one and it like the credits are on the screen and it says directed by Christopher Nolan.
0: Oh, uh, Batman.
1: And the Edward just drops and down Inception. from a tree,
0: hanging upside down. <laughs> Where is she? Where's Bella?
1: What's so funny about that is Robert Pattinson is getting ready to play Batman. Yeah, And I am here for it. I love that he's going to be playing Batman. But anyway.
0: Let's talk about the tree scene.
1: The tree scene.
0: Since I mentioned that.
1: Oh, in the movie. movie. Oh, God. Okay. So something, there were a few things, there were a few things in the film that I really enjoyed. Um, And we can talk about actual, like, visual framing in terms of this film. uh, Because there were some things that were done really well. And then there were some things that were done really fucking terribly. (laughs) But the tree scene specifically that we're talking about is the scene where edward is in a tree and he's like pre- like literally in it like a cat and he's leaning down over bella and they're talking about how like dangerous it is for her to be with him or whatever and we were both like that's really sick like that was really good imagery
0: it looked like a because i said it at the time it looked like what you would expect like if you saw a classic painting of like a serpent leaning out of a tree like tempting. Yeah. Humans like I I it made me imagine like a Lilith in the tree of knowledge leaning down to Eve kind of.
1: Yeah, we talked about this when we recorded it the first time as well, but the fact that because we, we when we talked about the preface and the idea of the tree of knowledge being some sort of symbolism in these books and if vampirism is the, the knowledge, the fruit, and I don't understand what message Stephanie Meyer is trying to send. But then you brought I up a we- point about, because <laughs> I was like, so if who is the serpent that's like offering this fruit to Bella because Edward's not offering it to her. Edward is the proverbial Adam who's like, no, stay away from the tree of knowledge. But then you pointed out that in some biblical depictions of this scene, it's not a serpent, it's Lilith, Adam's first wife, who is offering the fruit to Bella. And that is the story of how we decided that Alice is Lilith. Thank you for coming to my and TED that- Talk.
0: <laughs> There is absolutely no way Smyre intended that to be. (laughs) No, there
1: is (laughs) no way that she intended for that symbolism to fall into place like that, but it actually works. Like, it actually makes sense because Alice is the one who is pushing for Bella to become a vampire, to form into their way of life and stuff like that. And Edward is like, no, absolutely not. We're supposed to view. Is that even.? I think we're
0: that she's even pushing it. She wants Bella to just have the knowledge and be able to make decisions for herself.
1: Yes. And Edward. Um, I think in Smyre's mind, Edward is supposed to be the forbidden fruit because like she spends a lot of the book talking about how Bella's being tempted by him and stuff, but the forbidden fruit doesn't tell you not to eat it. (laughs) No, (laughs) that's not really how it works. Um, but that scene in the movie where he's, like, leaning down out of the tree, I had to pause it to be like, that's actually really beautiful, beautifully shot. Like, that's very attractive, the way that they, they filmed that.
0: Which is impressive because what I can say is that our, our lighting folks for the movie were on point yeah. almost the entire time. But our cinematographers were not at all literally the shots were so bad for the majority of the movie
1: within that same scene where edward is leaning out of the tree like a few minutes before that you had the scene where bella was like i know what you are and edward is like say it out loud and there are so many jump cuts and they're spinning around in the forest for like a good 30 seconds i was literally like i'm dizzy why am i watching this this is so bad and i feel like in that scene if they had just kind of had like a quiet, like kind of almost close up on their faces as he was like, say it out loud. And then there was just silence. And then she was like, vampire. That would have been so much more close powerful. Up,
0: close up over the shoulder shot on Bella's face with Edward standing right behind her. Yeah. His face like hovering over her shoulder.
1: Yeah. Would have been. And
0: for how often they used close ups in this movie when they shouldn't have, it's amazing that. They dropped that
1: ball. Yeah. Super awful. Um, There were some really great, like, sweeping shots of the scenery, which I'm not going to give too much credit to the cinematographers on that one because, I mean, they were just filming Washington State.
0: (laughs) Wow, look at how pretty it is. What should we do? Just literally pan the camera across it, bro. That's all you literally, need to do. Like,
1: the trees are doing all of the work here. Like the scene where they were up high in the tree and then it showed us like the scenery all around it. I was like, that's really cool. But it's just the wilderness. Like it's not like they created any of that. They just have...
0: This is just what Washington looks
1: yeah. like. Um, I said I was going to get back to the rogue vampires. I do appreciate that the film built them up as, to, as being a threat prior to them just showing up the day of the baseball game. Um, And while we were watching it, we also noted that it's better that when they arrive at the baseball game, they just show up. It's not like, oh, they're coming, and we have five minutes of just standing here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they literally say they'll be here in five minutes in the book. And I'm like, so that's not enough time for you to run away. Why?
1: Yeah, that really... Made no sense Um, other than I think Stephanie Meyer was trying to, like, build tension, but it didn't really work. It just felt like, well, why aren't you running away? Get a head start.
0: She she. Oh, what do you call it? Uh, Lampshade. She lampshaded it by like acknowledging the fact that they couldn't run away, but then didn't properly explain why they couldn't run away. So it was just like okay, it doesn't I don't if you lampshade it, you have to then actually properly explain
1: it. I didn't actually bring my book over here, so I and I'm I'm not gonna bother flipping through the pages, but I think it was less than a five minute run from the Jeep to the field when Edward picked her up. Well, after he made her come in her panties, and then, uh, <laughs> and then he picked her up and took. That her. That was not a
0: good. Uh, in case you can't tell, no, it in was this bad. Recording. It was so bad.
1: <laughs> um, the thing that the movie did amazingly well was the soundtrack.
0: Oh my god! It is the best movie soundtrack. That has ever been created. Not
1: only does it feature incredible pieces by both Muse and Linkin Park for our little emo hearts. It also includes... And Paramore. And Paramore uh, in the credits. Um, it also includes uh, two songs that are really, really good. Eyes on Fire by Blue Foundation. Oh, God, I love that Super song. Super iconic song from the from the soundtrack. And then Flightless Bird, American Mouth by Iron and Wine. Um, which is the song that Bella and Edward dance to at prom. Another super good song. Uh, and just the score is really, really good. Absolutely. It makes you want to have feelings for a movie that otherwise literally makes you feel nothing. So I. Yeah, you start <laughs>
0: watching the scene and you're like, oh, I'm getting into it. This music is really set. No. No, I I don't actually care. It's just the music.
1: Yeah. It's um Yeah. Essentially the the music <laughs> is really good. I uh, I have no other thoughts. Head empty, no thoughts. Uh about
0: knees weak, arms spaghetti.
1: <laughs> I the congestion is getting to me, but the score was really good. The music was really good. The lighting was good. I will say the casting was good for what it was. Um,
0: yeah, they they get uh, lampooned a lot for their acting in the movie. But I will defend them by saying that they did not have good characters to work yeah. with. I think they actually portrayed the characters properly. Mm-hmm. there, Which means their acting was good the problem was that the characters were just bad to begin yeah, with. Yeah, the,
1: the writing in the script um, <laughs> do not lend themselves to creating a compelling narrative at all, and the actors can't do anything about that. They're creating something that they, they only are participants in the creation of. They're not really, like, at the head of anything. Um, so... Again, the source material was just nothing to work with. Um, but that's all I had to say about the movie. Did you have any other thoughts about it?
0: Cactus.
1: <sighs> so, the opening scene, I assume? Yes. In which Bella is standing in front of her house in Phoenix with a cactus in her hand.
0: Yes. It's just a long, slow zoom-out shot of her standing in an Arizona desert holding a cactus. And it made my heart feel happy.
1: Okay. If if we're done with the movie and the book, I would like to give our final thoughts um, in terms of very specific sticking points. Um... And we'll start with the bad.
0: You should put your seatbelt on. Put
1: your seatbelt on. What was the worst part of the book for you?
0: Oh, God. Um, the characters?
1: <laughs> the fact that they felt completely and utterly unnatural and strange.
0: God, like I could get I could probably spend a couple hours just talking about all the different characters and the reasons that the characters themselves just ruin the narrative. Yeah. But like I I we spent like what, ten hours already in our previous episodes with me discussing those things. So I'll just sum it up by saying the characters are really bad. They are And inconsistent and poorly written.
1: The the worst part is the characters that are not as bad are the characters that are inconsequential. Like Mike and Jessica. Mike Newton. And Angela. Like those those three are really good. Not really good, but they're they're Mike is great. We you know that we're team Mike here. Um He was a a very well-written interpretation of a teenage boy who is still good-hearted. I think he's supposed to seem bad, like we're supposed to not like him. But I just took all of his actions with a grain of salt and just assumed that he was acting out of concern for a friend. So...
0: Yeah, it was very easy to interpret him as a, like, respectable, caring individual. And
1: you know this because Charlie Swan, the other... Great. One of the other great characters in the book says that he's a good kid.
0: Yeah. And he talks shit about some of the other he kids. Did.
1: Charlie's a shit talker. Um, for me, the worst, I picked a moment in the book that was the worst. And it, because for me, it felt like a catalyst that led into a lot of the other really problematic things. Um, so for me, it was when Edward dragged Bella to her, to his car because from that moment on, Bella had no control. Like it was, he took control of her in that moment and she never got it back. And that's when it turned from being like a hokey, not really making sense kind of narrative romance to being something that was really troubling and questionable.
0: Leaning towards abusive at times Yes. And, yeah.
1: Um... And I do think that a lot mm. of the events of later books happen in direct response to people saying that Bella is too passive and has no control. But we have we'll get into that when we actually get there. Um, but for me, that was definitely the worst part because it went from being about Bella being a main character who is dangerously curious and wants to figure out what's going on to being someone who is just kind of along for the ride. And that's not, For me, a compelling main character.
0: No, that's not the person that you want to be telling you the story. Yeah.
1: What was the best part of the... (laughs) I'm sorry, I just heard your dog shake herself out.
0: Sometimes you gotta stretch.
1: (laughs) Well, tell her that she did a good stretch.
0: You did a good job, Lucy.
1: Um... What was the best part of the book for you?
0: Um, I would have to say all the ladies carrying Bella.
1: <laughs> Just any time a woman is carrying Bella is the best part of the book Wonderful. for you.
0: I'm saying that because I've actually forgotten what I originally thought the best part of the book was.
1: The best part of the book for me is, and I don't remember what I said when we recorded it the first time, and I'm not going back to listen to it. Um, the best part of the book for me is anytime time Bella is having a conversation with someone that is not about Edward.
0: I remember what my actual best part of the book was. Which is? Scenery.
1: Scenery. She just does a
0: really good job of writing scenery. She you know what? needs to work with another author that writes the dialogue yeah. and character interactions, and she just writes descriptions.
1: I rescind my answer. That is my answer now. Um I also enjoyed the meadow. The meadow was a good scene. I felt. I if I am able to remove myself from the knowledge that it is Edward and Bella, then I can appreciate that scene for what it was.
0: It is. It's a very well written romance scene. If it's not Edward and Bella,
1: yeah. Um, what things would you change to make it better? I think we said the same thing last time.
0: You have to just erase the book. Yeah. Uh, you. Part of being a writer or any creative person is knowing that sometimes an idea just doesn't work at all.
1: Yeah.
0: And sometimes in order to make an idea work, you have to throw away what you had and restart. Twilight at its core can work, but... There's just so many threads left hanging or that just aren't explored or would have been better paths to take that there's no way to really address all the egregious issues that crop up without just starting over.
1: Yeah. I definitely agree. I think that's probably what I would change as well. Like, the whole thing just needs to be taken apart and reworked entirely because I feel like it just became so misguided and the trajectory she knew how it needed to begin and she knew how it needed to end but finding her way to that got really messed up along the way and we're left with a book that is not only not compelling it's in fact sending a really troubling message so I agree rewrite it
0: i think that I, i'm interested to read midnight sun because i honestly believe uh i said it a few times throughout the earlier episodes that it would have been more interesting to see this story from ed's perspective yeah because there's a lot more suspense on his side of the issue because uh, he has all the knowledge yeah and he needs to keep that knowledge safe um, and so I'm interested to read Midnight Sun just because I feel like that may be the kind of breakdown and rewrite that is necessary to make the story interesting
1: I, I definitely agree Um, the next thing that we were going to talk about is character reviews um, and I don't want to go too in depth into like every character obviously so let's just do best and worst and we'll start with worst who is the worst character in the book for you
0: Uh, I believe her name is Cunt Face McGee.
1: For those of you who are confused, that would be Renee, Bella's mother. and I agree that she is terrible. She set She set Bella up for failure in many ways. and that led to almost every single problem that Bella has. <laughs>
0: you mean the person that literally runs away every single time her life isn't going in the direction that she wants, abandoning everyone who cares about her and that she should be caring for, doesn't tend to lend itself to raising a healthy individual?
1: Yeah. That's what I'm saying.
0: Weird. Who's your least favorite character?
1: I thought about it a lot because when we recorded the first time, I just said Edward. And... I really put some thought into it, and I'm going to go with Edward. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, I'm going to say Bella. Now, I when I say that I put some thought into it, I'm literally not joking when I say I probably spent hours of my time scrutinizing over whether Edward or Bella was worse. The only reason that I'm saying that Bella is worse is because of how passive she is. And I'm not treating them as real people. I'm treating them more as fictional characters who were written to be this way. Fictional characters. Yeah. Stephanie Meyer did write Edward to be a creepy stalker However, she also wrote Bella to be a passive follower who just kind of goes with whatever Edward says, does, or wants. The reason I think...
0: Unless that is keeping information from her, in which case she doesn't like that.
1: The reason I think Bella is worse is because while Edward is terrifying and awful and probably objectively a worse person... The target audience for this book series is teenage girls and that means that Bella is setting an example and she is setting a really, really bad one that is going to set a lot of girls up for failure when they go into relationships in their lives. Um, I know that you read this when you were a young teenager and I don't know if you took an example from Edward, or or Bella. <laughs> I
0: I can't remember if it was something we kept in one of our episodes when we brought because I actually did bring this point up before, uh, and we might have cut it, but I said that, uh, as having read it as a teenager, identifying as a, as a dude, and uh, who definitely had some issues with relationships uh, on my end that needed to be worked out and addressed. I I definitely uh, didn't see the issues in Edward's actions and took some of his more controlling and gaslighting nature to be Uh, how do you say it an acceptance of the way I acted or yeah. a uh, endorse not an endorsement but it was I, I definitely felt that I was more justified yeah. because I saw the way he acted and I was like oh, okay well I mean I understand it yeah because I've felt that way before and if he does it and it's cool then like it's cool when I do it right
1: yeah so (laughs) and I don't want to negate the fact that you felt that way I do think that the percentage of teenage boys reading this versus teenage girls reading this is very very skewed I'm gonna say based on the statistics of people who listen to our show and it being 92% female and 8% male that we,
0: and Swedish. There's a lot, a of, lot Swedish. of
1: Swedish. We can go ahead Thanks, and assume <laughs> that it's mostly girls yeah. who are reading this, who are going to be getting an example. And that is why I said Bella was the worst, because Stephanie Meyer created a character that is setting a terrible codependent example for young women. I I do not believe that every author owes it to their audience to send a perfect example. However, you also can't send a really bad one, but without acknowledging that it is really bad.
0: Yeah, you can You can have a character that's awful and you clearly shouldn't emulate, but you have to make it clear that that character is awful and you should not emulate them. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, who is your favorite character, though I know I don't need to ask?
0: Uh, it is definitely not Alice Cullen.
1: Ooh, it's not Alice Cullen. It's Alice. Oh Cullen. shit! It's Alice Cullen. <laughs> oh, who would have fucking guessed? I'm so I'm so baffled.
0: And my favorite scene was Alice Cullen and Esme carrying Bella down a flight of stairs. I like. What? Who?
1: My favorite Alice scene was when Alice and Bella were cuddling in the hotel.
0: Oh yeah, that was great.
1: <laughs> um my favorite character and I last time I think I said it was Charlie. You know what? I'm going to keep that up. It's Charlie. My favorite character is Charlie. I think that he is a very sweet, wholesome dad character. Um and though I do not support people insinuating that they're gonna like kill their daughter's boyfriends the scene in the Twilight movie where Bella comes in and Charlie is cleaning his gun and she's like hey I'm gonna bring Edward by we're going on a date and he's like oh you're what isn't he too old for you and she's like no like we're in the same grade and everything and he just like okay and he like snaps his gun close and he's like bring him in I laughed hysterically at that. I thought it was so fucking funny because Charlie is so not violent or confrontational. He's just like this nice, mellow dad who... He just happened to be cleaning his gun when Bella came in to tell... I was going
0: to say... He, it's it's because you know he wouldn't have gone and grabbed his gun yeah it's the fact that it just so happened to have it that he did yeah it, it
1: was super funny because it was like obviously a joke and Bella was like dad oh my god like it was that was so good Charlie dad
0: you have to rip him apart you can't just shoot him with a him, shotgun Rip him
1: apart and burn the pieces so that was he's
0: okay hold on hold on I forgot something. Can we talk about the end of the movie when Bella's bleeding out and Alice gets her blood on her hands and just, like, has an orgasm (laughs) holding it up to her face? She's
1: like, oh, God, Carlisle, the blood, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, Alice, just go. And so she goes. and does the hottest thing I've ever seen but also scary thing she goes oh
0: my god it was amazing and she hops
1: so Jasper and Emmett are holding are holding James in front of the fire after they like tore up the floorboards and started a fire in the ballet studio and Alice runs over jumps on James's back and just rips his head off and tosses it into the fire
0: She doesn't just jump onto his back, she jumps, like, thighs around his head, knees hanging off of his shoulders, like, curled around his head, and just rips it (laughs) off.
1: Super great moment. Really, uh, I really appreciated that they had Jasper, Emmett, and Alice doing the heavy lifting on Killing James. I didn't even see, I don't even think, uh, Esme and Rosalie were there. Oh, no, they stayed in- Forks to protect Charlie. Yep. But, um, yeah. Best boy. God. Are we done with Twilight?
0: We're done with Twilight.
1: You know what I need? I need some book recommendations.
0: Well, do I have... A deal for you. <laughs> so
1: we decided that to end this, uh to every time we end a Twilight book, we are going to uh recommend some actually good books that we have read recently so that you have something to cleanse your palate uh between now and when we get through New Moon. So M, give me a book recommendation.
0: Well, today, I'm going to be recommending a little book called Gideon the Ninth.
1: What? What's that? I've never heard of it.
0: uh, It's by an author. It's her first book. Her name is Tamsin Muir. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. It's M-U-I-R.
1: You're probably saying it Uh, wrong. People will correct us. It's okay.
0: I probably am. I believe it's Gaelic. I can't remember for sure. I know I read her biography before. But... uh, Point being, uh, it was wonderful. And the sequel is actually coming out in like a week or two. Um, and one of the best endorsements I could give is the quote from the front cover of the book, which is Lesbian necromancers explore a haunted gothic palace in space. Decadent nobles vie to serve the deathless emperor. Skeletons! <laughs>
1: That sounds like an excellent book, but it also sounds like it makes no sense.
0: So it doesn't. No, it actually does. It's uh it's really interesting to because it's set it's all it's like a sci-fi book, but it also involves necromancy, and so you're not you're not really expecting the magic to come in because it's science fiction in space yeah. in the future. Why is there necromancy? Why is there immortal emperor? That's weird. And it, it, but it blends it really well. And it actually just does a good job of setting up the mystery of the world itself more and like wanting and like kind of getting you involved with it. And it really makes like drives you into wanting to continue reading it and understanding the history of how this world developed. Um, And it's also a murder mystery. Hell yeah. uh, Which I did not expect, I didn't realize that was going to be what it was going in. Um, and it's really well written. Uh, there's a number of twists throughout it. And each time it's something I didn't see coming. Uh, but like in retrospect, it made sense, which I think is always a good twist is when it's the pieces were set up, but they just weren't quite in place enough for you to be able to put it together yourself. Yeah. Um, and the ending was just amazing. It made me cry. It was such a good book. I mean, it, it had the emotional depth to really hit me while also having a main character that wears aviator glasses and looks at boobies.
1: <laughs> well, that sounds absolutely beautiful. Um,
0: <laughs> What's your book recommendation, Sarah?
1: I Well, earlier I, ta- I, I already kind of gave one uh, in Warm Bodies by Isaac Marion. Um, I absolutely cannot recommend that book enough. It's really beautifully written, um, but it's also the first book in a series. And a lot of people don't know that uh, because they just kind of saw the movie and then maybe read the book and then never looked beyond that. Um, But the conflict of Warm Bodies is not solved at the end of that first book. So um, there are two sequel books and a prequel. um, And the third, the final book in the trilogy was actually self-published by the author Isaac Marion. Um, because th- he kind of hit some hard times uh, when it took about five years for the sequel to Warm Bodies to actually be published. But that does not diminish the fact that every book in the series is really, really good. It's really su- it's really moving. Um, it tells a sci-fi horror story in a way that feels so very human and real and the characters really jump off the page and like meet you and I absolutely could not recommend this series enough uh he Isaac Marion is also just an incredible person he's a very uh personable and interacts with his fans a lot online uh which is something that I really admire in an author so um, definitely, definitely read Warm Bodies, but also pick up the sequels, The Burning World and The Living, and the prequel book, The New Hunger, uh, because they are all really good. I own multiple copies of all of them because I've read them all so many times. <laughs> Not as many times as I read Twilight. I've only made...
0: You have a problem. You have what? A problem.
1: I just like rereading things.
0: We need to talk about no. it. No. <laughs> This is an intervention.
1: <laughs> do you have another book recommendation for me, or are you just going to keep making fun of me?
0: I can do both. Uh, so little book called Jane Unlimited by Kristen Keshore. Um, and it is kind of a, a different take on the choose-your-own-adventure novel, um, but it plays with it instead as the same kind of concept as like an alternate reality thing where the first half of the book is the same, uh, but then there's five different paths after that that can be taken and you don't choose a path. You just read through it in order and you see all the different alternate routes uh, that could go down. And it's really, cause like the first half of the book is, there's, there's a lot going on in it that makes you like question Kind of the oddities and the absurdities of what's happening in the world uh, and you can kind of tell that there's something else going on under the surface uh, but it isn't until you start getting into the later portions that it starts to delve into like sci-fi and fantasy and these this alternate reality concept until it's just like off the chains you're literally transported to different worlds by the last one and it's a really fun read the characters in it are all really well written there's a lot of depth to them the main character is a main is a main is a wonderful person to follow she's really interesting she makes umbrellas who doesn't like a person that makes umbrellas as a hobby? I, you know, I didn't even know it was a hobby. I you didn't could have. either.
1: I'm glad I know now. Any more
0: recommendations from you, Sarah?
1: Um, I just thought of this. Uh, if you want a really good book that has a really good movie that was made uh, for it that also stars Kristen Stewart, you should read *Speak* by S.E. Hinton hey sorry to cut in in the middle of this conversation but i wanted to clarify that sc e. hinton did not write speak she in fact wrote the outsiders laurie Halse anderson is the woman who wrote speak all right back to it um it's not a an unpopular book by any means uh it's one that's often read in schools um trigger warning uh the main character is raped um it is is basically the story of this girl who going into high school, she goes to a party and, um, she is raped at the party. And so not knowing what to do, she calls the police and the police come. And so everybody in school knows her as the girl who called the police on the party. Um, but she never got around to talking to the police about what actually happened to her. So the story follows her as she slowly but surely, um, says less and less, over time until she's not speaking basically at all and it um, is really really moving um, it's kind of hard to get through um, it's very emotional and can be a little bit traumatizing but it's written by a woman so it is not handling the case of rape as something that is just kind of moving the plot forward the whole story is about this girl learning to accept that it was not her fault and that she should be able to use her own voice to speak up. Um, And after you read the book, you should go watch the movie. Uh, It stars Kristen Stewart as the main character, uh, Melinda, and she is absolutely amazing in that movie. So if you want some evidence that Kristen Stewart is an incredible actress, uh, go check that out for sure. Do you have any more recommendations?
0: I think I'll leave it at that for now.
1: I agree. I think that... Two recommendations each is uh, is pretty solid, and with that, I believe that we are finally finished with Twilight, copyright two thousand and four, Stephanie Meyer, literary classic, absolute legend, the holiest of books. Some might even call it the good book. Uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't call it that all right well we are all done with our roundup uh follow us on twitter um the podcast twitter is at 2020 twilight pod we post updates every time there is a new episode coming out and occasionally just funny little things that happen in the production of the podcast uh, m is at m of many names and i am at sarah s wilton uh m mostly tweets about shira and the-
0: that's not true. I only have like two or 3 Shira She-Ra t- tweets. I think I have more Transformers tweets.
1: So she and Transformers. And then I mostly tweet really bad jokes mixed with socio political commentary. So, you know, if that's what you're looking for, hit us up. Um, and I think that's it. We'll see you in episode one of New okay, Moon.
0: Okay, so... Here's the thing though. what? If you take a deep cut on transformers, the <sighs> socio-political commentary it has on progressive reforms. We'll is... see you next week. I...
1: Bye. <laughs> <laughs>